Welcome, everyone, to the How to Get the Most Out of College podcast. There's a lot of talk about where to go to college, but not nearly enough about how to go to college. And it's the everyday decisions that drive your success. I'm your host, Elliot Felix. I've been a consultant to more than 100 colleges and universities, helping them improve their student experience. And I'm the author of How to Get the Most Out of College, where I take what I've learned about how college works and make it work for you. One thing that I've realized in my work and in my book is that colleges and universities are catching up to who their students are. And they're really trying to balance between the traditions that made them so great and the needs of today's students and how they can help them succeed. And I think one of the big changes in higher ed is that one in five students has children and may have different needs, whether it comes to the calendar, the content, the curriculum, the campus. And so I'm so excited for today's guests, Joe Salustio, Kate Colbert, the co-authors of Commencement, A New Era in Higher Education. Their book is really, I think, a great guide to how colleges and universities can transform to who today's students are. And I'm excited to have them and dig into this topic of student parents. Welcome, Kate and Joe. Elliot, what's up, my man? How are you? So good to see you. Thanks for having us. Great to have you here. And I would love to hear a little bit. Maybe you could each introduce yourself. Kate, you can start. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're you know, passionate about this topic of student parents. Thank you so much. I am a higher ed lover from the very beginning. Started college a little bit earlier than my classmates and barreled straight through multiple degree programs, associates, bachelor's, first master's degree, and we got a job got a little experience, then came back for an MBA. And I have spent my career in and out of classrooms, started out as an English professor, and then realized that as much as I love helping other people to write, I don't love it as much as I love writing. So went and spent some time working as a journalist and ultimately as a communications and marketing director in guess what industry, you guessed it, higher education, and have been running communications and market research consultancy for the past 20 some years at this point and just absolutely love higher education and what it makes possible. So the opportunity to have partnered up with Dr. Joe Lucio and his co-founder, Elvin Freitas, recently to do the research involved and to help write commencement was really a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Hey guys, I'm Joe Salustio. I am a 20 plus year veteran in higher education and I spent my first 15 years in career colleges. So I've been working with students with children for a very, very long time. Career colleges, and we'd get a lot of students who come from community colleges that said that wasn't for them. Transition to online education that's really created for students that are adults. And uh, I am one of them, got both my graduate and doctoral degrees fully online, never stepped foot in a classroom on different calendars, which I'll talk about. But I'm really passionate about education for students with children. That can be somebody who's younger. It could be somebody who's older. And how is education going to meet them where they are with the responsibilities that they have? And that is just something that we are continually working on in higher ed. Well, Joe, maybe we start with your story. You know, what were the highlights? What were the challenges of being a student with children? Homework, doing homework or finding time to do homework. Boy, what a humbling thing to try to do school, any type of school with somebody grabbing your legs or asking you to get them food or screaming or crying. And I had really young kids at the time and it was very difficult to make it happen. One of my tips was you have to be very specific with your time. This is when I'm doing homework. This is when I'm gonna hit the gym and work out for my mental health. This is when I'm going to be with my family. 
And then this is when I'm going to go back to homework. And if you don't follow a schedule, it's very hard to be successful. So you got like a master's in time management along with your other other degrees. I made a master's in time management (laughs) along the way. It didn't go so good at first, but it finished out okay. And Kate, what would you recommend in addition to a master's in time management? For me, I think it's really important to involve your family if you have a spouse or partner or kids to involve them in your schooling. Sit down side by side. You know, you're working on your degree program or your certificate program and your sixth grader is working on their math homework. And how do you model the sort of behaviors that you would like to see for them when you imagine their progression through education and higher education. I just became a foster parent. So I'm about to have children at age 49. And so I'll have whole new perspectives on this. And we've had some foster kiddos in and out of our house recently, and it's all consuming. So I have incredible respect for how anyone can get the homework done. And how did you take care of yourself in terms of sleep? When I was working on my MBA, most of my classmates had children and they were saying, oh yeah, like I don't even touch my homework till 10 o'clock at night. Like I wait till my kids go to bed and I spend some time with my spouse and then I start my homework, which is really, really hard. And so, you know, you've got to figure out how to love yourself through it and figure out where to give yourself some grace and where to rest. So manage your time, take care of yourself, involve your family, be a model, be a role model. These are all great things you all learned personally. I'm curious what you learned from your book. I feel like you interviewed all 4,000 or so college presidents in the U.S. <laughs> what did you learn from that about how to support today's students, you know, who we know so many of them have children and have different needs, but just as much passion and drive and want and need just as much opportunity? Something that, that I'm really passionate about, especially for students as a tip, and it's higher ed's responsibility to come through on it, is to offer pathways for students with children that aren't as structured possibly. And I know, stay with me for a second, as what you would, what you think of when you hear college and going to school in fall, spring, fall, spring, that's what an undergraduate does. That may not be what a student with children wants to do. Let's assume for a minute that those students could be working, could be an adult working learner, could be an undergraduate student who's working, who needs to go to school online because they're providing for the family or part of their family. So taking a look at the academic calendar, fall, spring, fall, spring, that's a semester-based academic calendar. There's competency-based education now. There is a non-standard term academic calendars. Why get so detailed or what the heck does that mean? Well, it means that if you think in a traditional way and you go to school in fall and spring, you have the summer off. Yeah, you might take summer classes, but many of students want to go straight through with no breaks, or maybe they want one week breaks, or maybe they want two week breaks, or maybe they just want one day breaks. There's a university out there that's offering a calendar that students can progress in at their pace. And students with children might need to stay. I did. I needed to stay very active Because the minute I stepped back from my studies, it was very hard to get out of the schedule. You know, you set into a schedule, especially when you have kids, and it's very hard to work yourself back out of again. So I was like, finish on a Sunday and start me on Monday. If I finish my term on a Sunday, I want to go right into my new class on a Monday, and I need to stay on my schedule. And that's what it took for me to get through. So take a a really hard look at the terms when they start, when they end. Those classes, the actual length of a class could be a term. When do they start, when they end, and how much time is in between them so that you can craft your degree time and you don't get stuck with a constant? 
So it sounds like finding that right mix of flexibility and structure and finding the pace and the schedule that works for you is really the key. You know, sometimes you might want to step on the gas. Other times you need to pump the brakes because other things are going on. The course load, the course calendar, these are all things to be really thoughtful about as you're structuring your program, whether you're a student or you're the college or the university that's offering it. Kate, what about from your perspective? I think students have so many choices now that they didn't 20 years ago. First of all, if you live in an area where you have a community college, community colleges have historically really excelled at student service and wraparound services. I look back at the community college where I earned my associate's degree and where I ultimately went back and served on the faculty. It's funny when I was, you know, 17, 18, 19, when I was a student there, it never occurred to me that the fact that we had a daycare center on site, I thought, well, that was because we had an early childhood development program, which we did. And I probably thought that kids of faculty and staff might go to daycare there. It never even occurred to me that, of course, there were children in the daycare center whose parents were students there. And so community colleges have done a really great job and more and more schools with brick and mortar programs are offering um, on-site daycare for students, children, which is really great. And I would say that the really great news is that there are more and more colleges that are not only accommodating students who have children, but there are many that are actually sort of purpose-built to serve students who have lives with no disrespect for sort of an 18-year-old, but students who have, as Joe said, they've got kids, they've got jobs, they've got spouses, they've got responsibilities. And so you look at an institution like Kaiser University, 64% of their students have children. You know, you talk in your, your book, Elliot, about across the country, 20% have children. And there are institutions that are saying, you know, let's triple that, quadruple that at our institution. We know how to serve them. And I think that's really important. I love that you point out in, in your book, Elliot, that students who have children actually get better grades in college and which is really interesting but unfortunately a lot gets in the way and they don't graduate at the rates it's hard for them to keep going forward because life keeps happening and so I do think that if you have a really busy complex life because you have children and you've got other responsibilities I think that you should be pretty picky when you choose your educational experiences and you should be asking those kinds of questions when you're going through an admissions process about So how does it work if I miss a class? So how does it work if, you know, how much of this is synchronous versus asynchronous? What is a bursar? Why is her office only open nine to five? Like I'm going to be doing school at night and weekends. Wait, you say you're really open to adult students, but your offices are all closed by the time I'm done with work. So how does that work for me? I think there are really great opportunities and the world has really changed. One of the things I would say to students, if you're thinking about going to college or you're already in college and you've got kids and you're trying to juggle it all, is that sometimes... If we get wrapped up in this whole, am I a traditional student? Am I a non-traditional student? Am I not like the other kids with backpacks in my classroom? I'm in my 30s and I have little kids and they're 18. You know, I think that we need to give ourselves fat in the arm in terms of confidence about the fact that we all belong there. So whoever you are, if you want to learn and you want to get some sort of college credential, like you belong there. When I was teaching at the beginning of my career and I was teaching English at the College of Lake County and at Loyola University of Chicago, I always had a few students in every single class who were older than me and significant older than me because I was really young and they usually had kids and spouses. And I remember one student at the community college said to me on the very first day of class, she said, you're the teacher and I'm the student. And she said it really sardonically. And in that moment, I really felt she was diminishing us both, right? She was sort of implying that I was too young and inexperienced to teach her anything. 
And perhaps that she was too old for college, that she didn't fit in. Or maybe she thought she already knew it all. You know, I had another student who said, oh my God, I have kids your age. And it was a criticism, but it was also sort of bouncing back on themselves. And I smiled and I said, that's great. That's awesome, right? And so I think that when we can really understand that when we have a mixture of ages and life stages and life situations in a classroom, that's what makes the learning so cool. That's what makes it so exciting. Like you don't want to sit next to 20 people or log in next to 20 people who look just like you and whose life experience looks just like you because you're not going to learn as much from those teams and those experiences. So I think that 20 years ago, maybe folks who had a lot going on and they were working and they had kids didn't feel like college was designed for them. And frankly, it wasn't. But you know, we're recording this podcast at the beginning of 2023. Higher education has changed and it continues to change. I would say, you know, remind yourself, like, you know, on the daily, whether you've got a job, kids, spouse, whatever, like you are worthy of the educational experiences that you seek and go get them and go get them from people who will provide them to you in a way that fits your life. That is such great advice. There's so much wisdom packed in those last few minutes. And I feel like, you know, availing yourself of the various supports that the university offers, whether it's daycare. And I, one thing I came across in my book was, I think it was Monroe County Community College. There was a huge completion rate bump for using on-site versus off-site daycare, which, you know, kind of makes sense intu intuitively. But students need to use the supports and universities need to provide them. And then asking these questions to see if the university is designed for you and then seeing the diversity of the student and faculty and staff body as a strength, having that acceptance in order to find that belonging, that really struck me. The idea that you're looking for a university that's designed for you as a student with children, I would love to end with, you know, what's on your, both of your checklists for this? How can someone tell that they are student parent? friendly. And then I think smart institutions should be able to flip that around and say, how can we be friendly? Joe, what's on your checklist? You know what? I think there's a question that students with children can ask, and that's when can I start? The answer is in two months when we have our next intake period, that's not going to be a good school for you because they're not going to offer the flexibility that you may need as a parent. If the answer is next week, and we're going to get you wrapped up or tomorrow and we're going to get you wrapped up in financial aid so you fully understand it and you can start your studies without worrying about how you're going to pay for it and your kids and have the security in mind. And then that's an institution that's going to give you the customer service that you need so that you can focus on your family. Yeah, hey, what great. about you? Yeah, that's great. I think Joe is absolutely right. Like you should be asking questions up front about how does this program work and how is it going to work in my life? And if it doesn't work in your life, you need to make potentially a different decision for the college or university you choose. And so I think that it's important that you understand. And listen, it's we're in a post-pandemic world. We understand now that what it comes down to is that you do the work and that you do the work well, not when you do it, where you do it, how you do it, right? And so if you're talking to an, a college or university that's really prescriptive and about how you do the work and when and where, and that doesn't fit your life, that's okay. What that means is that college or university is operating in a sort of old school mindset and you're living in today in the real world. And so don't feel like, oh gosh, I don't fit. Go find an institution that fits you better. And, and I would say something to think about if you're in a college or university that is the right fit for you because you, know, you need this program, your physician assistant program or whatever you're going after, and it's the right program for you, but they don't really get students who have children, I would suggest a couple of things. One, never apologize 
for your family. If you need to study and get together with your classmates, invite them over to your house so that they can meet your kids and see how your life is. You don't need to do that separately from your real life. And I would also say, rather than feeling isolated, if you are in a program where you think, I'm the only person or there's only two of us in this program who have kids, I would encourage people to set themselves a friendship challenge in every class they take. So every class on day one or day three or within the first week, Go out of your way to try to create a friendship with two people in every class, one who reminds you a lot of yourself, right? So that they're in their 30s and they have kids and you've heard them say things that make you think we have some things in common. And then go out of your way to make friends with somebody who you think has a totally different life and experience and is in a different life stage. And you'll end up really feeling that you do fit in and that you're a worthy contributor to the classroom in different ways. But I do think that no matter what the institution is, how they're structured, how supportive they are of students who have children, you can make a really great experience for yourself if you go out of your way to be confident that you belong there and then to make those friendships and do it really deliberately. That's great advice. Our final question to you, Joe, because I want to be sure we benefit from all the great insights in your book. How would you recommend that colleges and universities change in order to deliver on this, in order to, you can start today or whatever it may be. What do they need to do? What lessons have you learned or insights that you can share from your book about that kind of transformation work? It's hard. It's hard work. I think the answer revolves around a, it's a mind shift. It's a mindset shift to be able to say, we like the way we're doing this. We think students will like it. To the student is telling us what they want and we're going to move the institution around the student. It's really hard to do it. People are scared for their jobs. There's always a job insecurity factor when change rears its ugly head throughout higher education, which is pretty typical. But we've shown that we don't like to change that much. The pandemic forced us to change potentially in ways that we didn't want to change. But now we're left where we are. And that is, are we going to serve the needs of learners or are we going to make the students come to us the way we think they want to come to us? And that that mindset, a reframing that has to take place. And, you know, there's barriers. I know I'm doing it on a daily basis saying, we're going to go online. We're going to go in a non-standard term way, which means we're going to offer eight-week classes with one-week breaks. And everybody who's ever offered a class in a traditional academic calendar is going, no, what does this mean for me? And will I still have students? And am I out of a job? And that's why OPMs came into play because institutions couldn't make it work internally. So the question is, can we do it? And I hope the answer is that we need to do it. I you hope know, so too. I, I, I'll wrap that up with Joe is 100% right. And I think one of the gifts that we hope that our book that commends it brings to the people who read it, who work inside and around higher education, it is an opportunity to see how it's being done at other institutions. So if you work at a college or university and you've been there for 10, 15, 20 years, you know a lot about your institution, but you might not know how some of these universal challenges are being solved by your peers and your competitor institutions. And by virtue of having interviewed 125 college and university presidents and telling their stories through some of their own words in this book, we give readers who work at colleges and universities a chance to say, no way, I never would have thought that we could do that. Or I didn't know that that was okay with the accreditors, or I didn't know that this would be so well received by students. So maybe we can try it. And I think that it's hard to try new things in higher education. But when you can see your peers doing it and we show you how they're doing it in commencement, 
suddenly you will have perspective and courage and you will suddenly know the things you didn't know that you didn't know. And we really hope that the voices in our book come together to give people that know-how and courage to change higher education for the better. I love that. It's all about shifting your mindset to be student-centered, to put students first. And then as a learning institution, learning from your peers about how to put students first and maybe make that change more possible and maybe a little less scary and a little less risky. Thank you both so much. I really, uh, really appreciate your insights and everything you shared today. Thank you, Elliot. Thanks for having us. Thanks everyone for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts and check out elliotfelix.com for all the episodes and the articles I've written, talks I've given, and more information about the book. Mm -hmm.